0: Welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ron Swallow.
1: I'm Ed Greer. And today, we have a fabulous guest. Uh, I I met her on a panel, and she was just so funny and delightful that right after the panel uh, at WonderCon, I was just like, I gotta have you on this podcast. And luckily, she said yes. She's a staff writer for ComicBook.com and the co-host of the Phase Zero podcast, and Hollywood already did it. It's Marvel Pair Up podcast. So please give it up for a wonderful lady of comic letters, Jamie Jirak.
2: Hello, thank you for having me. What a nice intro that was.
1: Ah, uh, you you are great. Well, um, let's get right into it. This is why you're the expert for this episode.
2: Yes, oh, I'm so excited. You know, most all my podcasts are about Marvel, so when I get to come on a show and talk about something else that I love, it's so exciting, especially when that thing is Nicolas Cage, otherwise known as Nicolas Kim Coppola. Uh, This fine man has a new movie out right now called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent where he plays himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in honor of that, I watched one Cage movie every day this month leading up to the release. I was only supposed to watch 21, but I watched 33 uh, because of like extra credit. (laughs) And there are even a couple that I wish I would have fit in. And there were a lot that they referenced in the movie that I didn't expect. So uh, it's been a treat. And if, if you're watching this on video you can see that i got a massive talent pillow today and it's next to my mandy doll
1: (laughs) well yes uh ron and i uh as he can attest just saw that movie yesterday um last night actually and uh i i for one perked up when i saw it was funny in the movie uh massive talent uh slight spoilers there's a part where he sees a shrine of different stuff to him and he's got the mandy axe but he doesn't mention the Mandy axe. I'm like, you mentioned the other thing? Mention the Mandy axe. You forged that yourself in the masterpiece that is Mandy.
2: I, I just, At least uh, to have the chainsaw call out.
1: Yeah, the chainsaw yeah. call out was great.
0: The That movie was hilarious. Um, yes. Now, you uh, clearly are a, a huge Nicolas Cage fan. Where mm-hmm. and when and how did that all start?
2: Great question. Um, so the only person on this earth I love more than Nicolas Cage is John Travolta. Uh, I am <laughs> John Travolta's number one fan. John Travolta told me himself I was his number one fan, uh, and I stand by it. So when I was a kid, I loved Face Off, uh, and I still love Face Off. I've watched it twice since January. It's so good. Um, but I wouldn't say it was until I was in eighth grade and I became obsessed with Adaptation.
0: Uh, that I became no. a
2: really appreciative of Cage as an actor because for a while he was just you know for me like an action movie star which I love I'm a big action movie fan I don't I don't think there's any greater run than the rock to con air to face off like what an insane uh ninety six and ninety seven crazy um but uh but adaptation was really when I started to appreciate him and get and just get more into his stuff and he's just in. Multi, two of my top ten favorite movies of all time, which are Adaptation and Moonstruck. Uh, I have three Nick Cage tattoos uh, and two of his face. <laughs> <laughs> I also have three John Travolta tattoos. Uh, I recently got uh, both halves of their face and Face Off. So uh, that is so my love of Travolta kind of sparked my love of Cage.
1: Uh, Travolta, That's... the greatest gateway drug towards Nick
0: Cage fan. <laughs> So, um, th- this was when you were what, mid school, high school type of age?
2: Yeah, uh, Face Off came out when, when I was seven. So, I, and I don't think I saw it too long after it came out. Adaptation, I was eighth grade when I and when I saw the movie. So, thirteen, fourteen.
0: Yeah, that's that's the time when you yeah. become a fan of something. Uh, and I became a huge Bruce Lee fan because of that, yeah. and you know, obsessively watched every single thing that Bruce Lee was in, and then of course, that Brandon Lee was in as well. When you find somebody that you really like at that specific age, it's hard to get away from them. Like, it's Im- almost impossible. And oh, Nick Cage yeah. is a great one to follow because he's he's got range, but he also takes some of the worst projects of all time. And I love that personally. Personally love that he's just willing to do movies that he's like, I want to try this out. Fuck it.
2: Yeah, and there was a while there were he was he needed money for sure. I think he's good now, but there was but I one thing that um you know even bad Nick Cage movies are so good. Like I co Mm. I've seen the Wicker Man so many times because it's just. (laughs) fun it's so silly and dumb and I, I finally watched the original for the first time and it's so good that it makes me enjoy how bad the remake is even more uh, we already <laughs> have a good wicker man let's have a bad one that's fun. i, I love drive angry um you know I, as a marvel person i do wish the ghost Riders were better but they have their moments
1: <laughs> did you um did you see his bad lieutenant that was oh, in yeah. new orleans mm-hmm. that i like it me better out. than the
2: original uh, i, I think which it, is not I, popular
1: well, well, I I don't think that's a popular opinion. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but but you know what? I might concur just because. And for Ron, I know you ain't seen that shit. Uh, no. <laughs> it's basically the movie Bad Lieutenant, which starred Harvey Keitel as this shitty, venal detective guy who would like pull chicks over and do weird stuff to him, and like snort coke all day and bet a whole bunch. Almost get his family blown up because he has so many gambling debts. Even though he's a cop, he's just a horrible person. And the bad lieutenant in New Orleans, it also has Katrina vibes are happening, basically. Like, all right, Katrina's either about to happen or it's just happened. And the city is messed up. So this one lieutenant has all this leeway and he gets himself in all this trouble. And I think that change to the Bayou location for bad lieutenant makes the story more, it just, it presses harder. It has a more of a, I don't know, this uh, inevitability about it.
2: It's also Werner Herzog. Yep. And so there's weirdness. Like, there's a shot, like, of, of nick cage from the point of view of a lizard uh <laughs> yep. it's wild and i like it better because i'm rooting for cage in, in that version and yes. i love harvey keitel harvey keitel is also one of my favorite actors but i i i just he's too icky in his yes version.
1: yes exactly you, you can't root for him to win and that's what makes some of these movies that have like we're gonna get to face off in a minute but the the movies that have two characters that you can root for equally I am of a I am a man of a certain age, so I'm and I have to bring up heat <laughs> as yeah, an example yeah. of this because it's like when when there's two characters that you actually want to win, there's a whole nother it, it feels to me even better and more like I'm on the edge of my seat more than a regular movie, and uh, and I think I think uh, Face Off almost qualifies. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, Castro Troy is a piece of shit, but. He's got so much style.
2: Oh, he's having fun. You you to- it is I totally agree. And especially cuz it's it's like so warped of John Travolta doing a Cage and Cage doing a Travolta and they're doing it so well that you mm-hmm. just never want it to- you want to have a whole series about what happens when they keep switching faces.
0: If you were forced to, and this is one of those horrible questions. <laughs> okay. Let's do like mm-hmm. a top 3.
2: Oh, easy like, cuz those like, are what I have like my tattoos did, of. Like mm-hmm.
0: they just did. In the movie,
2: in uh, in Mass mm-hmm. I love that Javi Pedro Pascal's character. Who, by the way, he slays the movie. Are you destroyed. kidding? Me? He's so He's good, amazing. Um, and but his favorite movie of all time is Face Off, which I respect. Uh, okay. But adaptations number one. But Moonstruck okay. is a close, close second. I'm all. I okay. also love Cher. Uh, uh, so my Moonstruck tattoo is of Cher and Nick Cage kissing. And uh-huh. one day I will have a tattoo of Cher, Mia, too, so she will join their club of being uh, on my body more than once. Uh, so uh, the, uh, then, face off after, is easy third. Uh, okay. I think the harder question would be me picking a fourth. Well, because <laughs> I mean, that's and when see, it gets murky.
1: Yeah, that that is where Ed? it gets hard. Um, mm-hmm. But
2: uh, same question so, for
0: you.
1: I I don't know that I can answer <laughs> that man because mine mine are definitely going to be weird because I pick it just based off of his particular performance because i i share your kind of mean supposition that he has been in some crap so given that though he is the thing that gets this crap made you know what i mean they get him attached and it becomes like it's somebody's dream that happens because they get nick cage attached so i have to give some of those movies like fucking kiss of death sucks nick cage is great in it He's great in, the, he's like overhead pressing people over his head. He got stupidly buff, like more than Cameron Poe buff. I'm oh, not Cameron Poe, whatever, whatever his name is in, uh, in, in Con Air. And That's Con fair, Air, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. He got more than that buff for it he's like i a haven't seen giant this one thug. so oh kiss of death is crazy it's got right. samuel l jackson in it as a as a dea agent or something that got wounded in his eye so his eyes always leaking and he's dabbing it with a napkin and nick cage is 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 a big big like tony soprano if he worked out a hundred times a day type of gangster in it it's a crazy movie it, it was one of uh remember when they tried to make fetch happen and make david caruso a star it was one of those movies that, you know, the dude from CSI, they wanted to make him a star and he was, he was a star in it. And that's why you never heard of it. But it's a wasted Nick Cage powerhouse performance. Um, you should definitely check it out.
2: Good to know. Um, well, I, I think one of his best performances ever is Vampire's Kiss. And that movie's not, <laughs> in my opinion, not good. But when I say best, it's just his, the most pinnacle Cage performance there ever has been. And I, and I hate to recommend that movie because it's just, he's just like verbally abusing his, assistant the whole time and he's nuts in this movie and it's it mm-hmm. makes you uncomfortable. But it is it is Pete Cage. It is the highest I think he has ever gone and I think mm-hmm. because of that it is a must-see movie. I don't really like leaving Las Vegas, but he won an Oscar for it for a reason. He's oh, really yeah. good
1: in it. Well the cage is Cage movies. So like I wouldn't say Kiss of Death is one of them. I would I'm gonna go conventional. I love adaptation because of the yeoman's acting job he had to do in it. Uh, I love the rock because That was the last time they ever let a dork be a hero in a movie full stop. (laughs) Search your mind for the for the next time some actually dorky person got to be the hero. And not in some coming of age thing where we're all trying to lose our virginity before fucking whatever prom or some bullshit. And actually Spider Man doesn't count. No, Spider-Man does not count. <laughs> okay. Dude, Spider-Man's got abs and a hot girlfriend. I, I I understand that he's a nerd as well as those attributes, but we're talking about this guy. And, and Goodspeed, frankly, he worked at the FBI. He did okay. His wife But he also has a hot girlfriend. Movie. Yeah, he, he does. So I'm just saying like just grown-ass dork. You know yeah. what I mean? Not not like some prepubescent person coming to their own. A grown-ass dork, hero of movie. You can't name another one. It was one of the last times you ever saw it. Uh, so I gotta love that performance because uh, he was he was a geek, he was an eccentric, and he was in way over his head. And and I love it that um, movies in this modern era seem to make everybody an ex special forces. You know what I mean? So that yeah. so that they can yeah. so they can you know uh, say why you can beat up the bad guys because they stole your your husband or whatever. Uh, so but he, he doesn't do that in The Rock. I have to give that a real big credit, and uh, he acts so good he he defeats Michael Bay's direction. <laughs> and a lot of the scenes of that movie you know what i'm a face-off person but i gotta say i'm a con air person he saves that movie from being steven seagal ask drak.
2: honestly so good
0: i love con air so- that's my that's my favorite
2: yes there, the scene I it.
0: where he's uh where his friend is like dying from the the diabetes and then he stands up And walks towards the bad guys, and they shoot him in the arm, and he like doesn't give a shit, and then just kills everybody. Is one of my favorite all time scenes in an action movie ever. It's amazing. His accent is just pure like joy. I just love everything about that movie. Steve Buscemi's creepy ass role in that thing is so great. Just it's just that whole movie. I really love that. So that's probably my in my top three. Then I'm going to have one that nobody should have in their top three, but I feel like everybody should have in their top three. And that's gone with 60 seconds. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care. Okay. Yes. Yes. She does have dreadlocks. It's a terrible decision. I get it. (laughs) That's that movie is so fun.
1: I wrote just a few notes down for this one. And one of the ones I remember was, um, the age of cage or the stage of cage cuz i feel like he has different ages and different stages like mm-hmm. there's there's different time periods almost like the cretaceous and the precambrian and whatever <laughs> uh of nicolas cage and i yeah. think obviously his move, his super high movie star period is in the 90s we can all agree with that yeah. but then there's these all these like raising arizona where he lends this quirky persona um to to the to, you know him and um Oh got Holly Hunt, Holly, Holly Hunter, Hunter, right? Yeah, yeah. They do a great job in that movie creating the reality where you can root for these people to like steal babies and stuff. Oh, that's you know a what top five
2: mean? for me for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that movie's amazing. Yeah, I think there's that like kind of late eighties where he's coming up, coming of age. We've got Moonstruck, we've got Raising Arizona, we've got Peggy Sue Got Married, uh, mm. which he's Oh, yeah uh, mm-hmm. share. Wanted him for Moonstruck because of Peggy Sue. She fought for him. Uh, and he's a lot younger than Cher. I think he was 23 when they made that movie. And she was like 37 or something. I mm, um, it's, uh, they, they, they work so well together. They have such good chemistry. Uh, really and that's kind of, so we've got like the early kind of cage. That's, that's more, I would say bubbly. These movies that are cute and sweet and wholesome and even raising Arizona is Cohen's but it's one it's it's for a Cohen's movie it's one of their bubbliest cutest fun movies uh and then and then you know he has this like little dramatic attempt and that's when in 95 is when he makes um Leaving Las Vegas but after he won yes. that Oscar that's when he went full action cuz that's when he did those three and then we have the 2000s hit. he makes Gone in 60 seconds and then after that he's making these like um more you know, indie smaller, we've got adaptation, we've got Magstick Man, we've got the Weatherman, like these like I think he was like trying to mm-hmm. win another Oscar, but he only got yeah. nothing for adaptation. And then after that, once that era ended, it was the we've got we were bad for a while. Except for National Treasure. Uh that was like I think his probably biggest blockbuster. That that kind of fit I love weirdly National Treasure. Into, Treasure Treasure's amazing. It's so good. Uh, but I don't ever think of that as a Nick Cage movie. I think that it's a Disney movie. It's mm. so it's so
0: weird looking through all the good movies he's done because Valley Girl
2: yeah love valley
0: girl valley girl so fucking good that is a fucking great movie
2: yeah that's with those 80s gems for sure.
0: yeah what about the Damn.
1: knowing and next era because i think that's where to me it went off the rails in yes. the a-list movies because they were as ron alluded to earlier these weren't just like these weren't just the tax movies this isn't the tax era yet. Mm-mm. This is, you know, yeah. where he's working to pay off taxes and and all the Marvel comics he bought and stuff. Uh, it it isn't uh, it isn't that. It's him going. Well, th- I know how to read a script. I don't know how to pick a role. These are winners.
2: I just watched Next for the first time, and people uh, we were comparing it to like Drive Angry and Wicker Man in terms of fun, and it did not get there for me because mm. the Next stuff that was so fun, and Peter Falk was in it. I lost my friggin' mind when Peter Falk's <laughs> movie. But then it's all about him and Jessica Biel's weird romance, and Cage has really good chemistry with the, most women. I think. Uh, it, sorry to say. I'm Angelina Jolie is not on that list um, <laughs> but, uh, but then like when we hit Ghost Rider Like Eva Mendes doesn't work And then Jessica Biel doesn't work it, They mm-hmm. kept trying to give him I don't mind an age gap Like I said it works so well in Moonstruck But we hit these late 2000s And with the exception of Diane Kruger In National Treasure He's just not vibing with these women uh, mm-hmm. it, it takes a while I'm, I feel like not until maybe Mandy That you really believe again That he's uh, yeah. with this woman
1: Yeah. And I'm down to talk about Mandy all damn day, but I was, I was going to definitely ask about, um, what did you think of kick ass? Have you seen kick ass?
2: You know, when I saw, I, this is the first time I saw it since theaters when I watched it this month. And it's so dated and a lot of it does not age well. Uh, A lot Mm -hmm. of those jokes are like with him pretending to be gay to get a girl is like oh that hurts me but (laughs) it still has a lot of charm and a lot of originality that I really respect and Cage is great in it it's it's kind of like um National Treasure where I don't really think of Cage I don't think of it as a Cage movie Cage and Batman cosplay for two hours and I think that's a good time a lot of
0: times you watch a Nicolas Cage movie and you're like this is so great because Nicolas Cage is in this fucking movie like I mean I'm not saying that he doesn't have great side characters and and supporting actors and stuff but i do feel like his whatever thing that Nicolas cage has overwhelms a lot of movies that
2: agreed yeah, I, I feel so. like there aren't a lot of nick cage movies that you're like this is an ensemble piece that's not something
0: <laughs> <you'd ever
1: watch. laughs> yes well okay what, what are some of those though because like i see what you're saying because like I, I- when you watch kiss of death it's definitely an ensemble but Nick Cage is the biggest thing about that whole movie, which is probably one of the reasons why it doesn't
2: work. I would argue, uh, some of the earlier ones, like I think Moonstruck uh, and Raising yeah. Arizona, uh, both qualify. Um, like we said, kick ass. Um, not necessarily national treasure, but kind of national treasure. Um, cause mm. you got, you know, uh, even though he sucks in real life, you got John Boyd's presence, presence, and you've got Diane mm-hmm. and, the, the other guy who, I don't know his name. Uh, <laughs> um, and then the sequel is Helen Mirren, you know? But, even, I mean, Massive Talent feels definitely like a, you'd think it would be Nick Cage's movie, but I think it's both of their movies. Both yeah. in of them.
0: That is yeah, a th- great duo. It really
1: is. Yeah. Well, just the, as this is the part where we, we would talk about Massive Talent a lot, um, without, without spoilers, obviously. I think the interesting thing about Massive Talent is, it's like Nicolas Cage is the player and Pedro Pascal is the court and the arena or something. You know what I mean? Like Ooh, you have like to have that. one to have the other. So, like, and, and I think the movie's kind of like that in that, like, Nicolas Cage is an instrument and like he's like a really shreddy guitar, yeah. just crazy, just wild, wild stuff. And you can put that in a classical song and mess it up or a hip hop song and have a kind of decent bridge if you mix it right or a country song and mess it up. You know what I mean? He's he's like playing this specific thing. and You got to know how to play Nick Cage. And from the script, I tell anybody, anybody in the world. And for the last four years, I read the script for Massive Talent a long time ago, like four years ago, because it was on the blacklist. And I just knew nobody would ever make that. I it was one of those, you know, people people write them, they get an agent off of them, and then they just kill your voice and make that beautiful thing that you wrote to get in the industry die. You know, they didn't do that like they took it and made it into a movie and it's just i mean it as far as spectacle to me it had as much spectacle as any marvel thing not to just put marvel against every other movie but like
2: <laughs> these days it's kind of the norm
1: because the theater me and ron were in for some reason everybody chose to sit around us even these covid times uh. were just right all in the middle but it was like we didn't care. Once the laughs start rolling in and you get that community of everybody being like, did you hear that? Did you see that gag? Oh, now they're on LSD, whatever, you know, was happening. Oh man, that we was, we were great. all just dying laughing at the whole thing. And it was like, it was one of the first times since I'm. Since a long time, since maybe uh, that Spider-Man movie where everybody's clapping their Cheetos thing (laughs) forearms together, where I actually felt the sense of community inside the Mm. movie theater. So you
2: didn't see Jackass Forever in theaters is what I'm (laughs) hearing from this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at also other like lesser movies that, that kind of he's in them and it's we, it, it, they're not using them right. It doesn't seem like I think eight millimeter is on that, is on that list.
2: I haven't seen that, that you know? and I want to because it's directed by Joel Schumacher, and I love Joel Schumacher. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if if I were to turn my camera, you'd see a Batman and Robin poster on my wall. Um, but uh, I've heard mixed things about that one. I heard it's, like, deeply serious in a way that I don't know if I would like.
1: Yeah, I, I, it really is. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's about, like, a snuff film. So, yeah, I don't know if you could get more serious than that. But it's just like uh, – and also movies like Snake Eyes, even. Snake Eyes has has Brian De Palma doing so much stuff. I love Nick Cage in that movie. I'm not saying it's a lesser movie, but it's one of those ones that you don't think of until you go Ooh. like, "Oh, remember Snake Eyes."
2: of the movie, all the movies i watched for the first time this month my two favorites were bringing out the dead and snake eyes and it's wild because bringing out the dead is scorsese and snake eyes is de palma and you don't ever think of either of those movies when you talk about their filmographies mm-hmm. and uh and i thought i loved both i especially love bringing out the dead and i'm shocked it's not in the scorsese conversation more and cage listed it as one of his top 3 favorite movies he's in
0: mm-hmm. and
2: uh and snake eyes i i just i'm a sucker for a long shot and that's just a whole bunch of long <laughs> yep. it's very bird manny uh and uh, and it had like, twists i didn't see coming i enjoyed it
1: yeah you just never th- you never think of those movies as as part of his uh oeuvre just like i mean i think peggy sue was getting lost too because it was so long ago i don't think people remember him being basically the lead in there like the person who has to like have this transformative arc and become a better person to like earn peggy sue's love peggy sue has to, like become a person who can reject a person who doesn't really love her. And you know what I mean? He's doing a lot of good acting in there to make that story work. Cause if and he was miscast, weird. yes, very weird. He's
2: got a voice going in that one. And I, <laughs> it's very bizarre, but it's charming and fun. Uh, I, I, we didn't pick that for our, i watched it anyway but we didn't put it on our official list because to me it feels more like a kathleen turner movie it's it's when mm-hmm. when i think peggy sue i don't think nick cage i think kathleen turner uh but i i do think it's pedro pascal listed his five favorite cage movies and that was on his list he said it's very meaningful to him because he saw it in theaters with his father
1: oh wow yeah a little a little guarding test there i i uh <laughs> I haven't uh but I just want to really just go back and talk about his performance in Adaptation though because as a screenwriting nerd as you could tell from me reading screenplays 5 years before they come <laughs> out um Adaptation was another one of those great screenplays where you're just like nobody's going to do this. Why would anybody do this? This doesn't make any sense for somebody to actually film this. And it was in the you know uh, being John Malkovich era where like Spike Jones could like do anything. You know what I mean? And, and Charlie uh, they're, Kaufman. Yeah, and Charlie—they're all—they're both just so hot. You know, screenwriter and director, just so blazing hot. So, what do you? How do? You, how does adaptation feel to you? Because to me, as somebody who's like, it was—I felt seen as a screenwriter, as somebody who used to go to those seminars and listen to fucking Robert McKee and be like, "Oh, the first draft is actually the eighteenth draft, and the the, se- the second act is actually the fifth act of the Euclidean structure." And, oh, Jesus Christ! And you've paid three hundred dollars for this
2: so perfect i adaptation is like i said it's so meaningful to me in so many ways and i love being john malkovich just as much to me i think of them as like a pair a beautiful Mm -hmm. pairing um and i just love how deeply meta it is and how how you really have to do a lot of research to know what's true and what's not and when i was 14 that's exactly what i did i bought the Mm -hmm. orchid thief i read it um Mm -hmm. i was so obsessed with it and uh I just, both in college and then I went to film school and, I'm, or both in high school and in film school, I wrote a lot of papers on adaptation. I was just so invested in, in the deep thought of it all. And Susan Orlean is pretty active on Twitter. And she's Mm -hmm. very cute on Twitter. And uh, maybe like two years ago, she tweeted that her son was watching Adaptation. And of course, in real life, Susan Arlene does not fuck John LaRoche. Uh, That was not a real thing (laughs) that happened. Uh, But, uh, you know, when your teenage kid is watching this movie based on you, and you have to be like, not all of it's real, but some of it is real. So, Like a lot of the quotes that are directly from her book and a lot of stuff about, you know, you see the set of Being John Malkovich. They actually have that on there. You have catherine keener playing boggle uh and i just oh i and then just on top of all that it's just nick cage being amazing he's so good Mm -hmm. the the i always say people you know like that episode of community where is he a good or a bad actor and and it's all about being over the top if you watch adaptation you watch leaving las vegas the uh, match dickman's another example he plays certain roles with such nuance and Mm -hmm. the switch between donald and charlie is so it's just there's such a beautifulness to the way he plays these roles and that's why i stand firmly in this belief that when he goes crazy in a movie it's just that's just that's a hundred percent calculated it's not nick cage being nick cage uh it's it's how he perceives a character because he knows how to be subtle
0: yeah i feel like that when he does go crazy it's like it's like what the character what he thinks the character would do in that situation like for instance when he's playing his younger self in this newest movie, and he's doing what he's doing the like shittiest version of himself as that character. When he's like, there's a part in it where he like yells and goes crazy, and I don't want to give it away because it's so funny that I don't want to interrupt. I went interrupt to the
2: it. bathroom during that scene. No! I know what you're talking. I know. I'm going again no! tomorrow. I'm going to see it again tomorrow to make up for the fact that I missed what I know is the best part of the movie.
0: And when you think back on the cockiness of youth. And what you thought was the right behavior and and all of that stuff. They really bring that out in this. And Nicolas Cage really brings it out. He probably remembers what he was supposed to be like when he was a kid. And what he thought was going on in his head. And that was hilarious, but also really genuine. Like super genuine. So...
2: He, Nick Cage, so Nikki Cage, that alter ego was yeah. based off of Cage when he was doing his Wild at Heart press tour. That's why he's wearing a Wild at Heart t-shirt. Uh, mm-hmm. and there's a video of him on the talk show, can't remember the name, where he's like, just like going crazy and kicking the air and being really cocky. And Cage has said, actually in an interview with my job at combo.com, I didn't interview him, but, uh, uh <laughs> he told our outlet that like that, that guy, that version of him was pompous. He was like that. And uh, and I think it's really cool that he was willing to lean into it, just like I think it's awesome. There's a I won't spoil what it is, but there's a really good Wicker Man joke. And it's like he's Mm -hmm. he can make fun of himself. And I wouldn't have guessed that Nick Cage is somebody that could make fun of himself like that.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's one of those things where with 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 Cage um, going through his filmography, you see that I think I think he does look at movies as to what can I bring to it? And I think in the modern age, like I watched Pig the other day, and Pig could have been almost anybody in that role. At the same time, it couldn't because I don't think there's that many actors that could be that captivating and not really say much. Like that's one of the most silent kind of stoic heroes I've ever seen in a movie. And we're talking about a whole genre of stoic heroes where you just sort of like, I'm thinking I'm back. And you shoot 50 people before you say your (laughs) next sentence. I could feel him feeling if that makes sense i could feel him feeling the whole time and so in the movie like you think it's going to be some john wick about him getting his pig back and it's so much better than that it's just like melancholy treaty so i'm like dealing with loss and shit you know what i mean and dealing with like maybe you had your moment and i think that's one thing it's weird how sometimes i'll see cage pick a role And, you know, it's very psychologically facile to say that he's going through something similar in his life at the time. They even touch on it in Unbearable and Massive Talent. They touch on sometimes you pick a project because you're going through something similar in your own life. But just like there's so many times when I see him just maybe he was working out something. You know, I wonder what he was working out in Mandy because he wasn't very verbal in that either. You know, Mm -hmm. Pig and Mandy come like back to back to back. And they're both very taciturn. Kind of guys who lose. Those guys aren't the people who win. They may get revenge, but they don't win.
2: Yeah. Ugh. What was he
1: going through to be picking stuff like that?
2: I like that thought a lot. I also would like to say about Pig is that that should have been his third Oscar nomination. Javier mm, Bardem yeah. for being the Ricardos. that's nominated. Are <laughs> you kidding me? Robbery! You I say. Argue.
1: <laughs> I watched uh, that shit on Amazon, and that was a role where a lot of people could have played that role.
2: Ah, uh, I just Will I don't win understand. Win. Win. Wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, even, that's, that's even, like, I, I'm fine with that. Like, give the man his flowers, uh, you know, whatever. But, like, also, Peter Dinklage deserved it over Javier Bardem. Yep. I just, mm. Mm, makes me mad. But, but, like, this should have been Cage. And Cage, Cage says Pig is his favorite, his favorite movie of his. And I think that it's the performance he's most proud of. And I think that's really cool. Because it is. Uh, I I think I want to be him for Halloween, and then my boyfriend wa- is going to be Porco Rosso, so <laughs> oh, he's going to be my. Pick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, nobody oh, oh. steals uh, him! Porco oh yeah, Rosso, never mind. Miyazaki. Cut this out. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, we love your boyfriend. Oh
2: god, <laughs> I just want he's say. a nice guy. I'm glad <laughs> he really is nice.
1: I'd like like to have him on sometime. He's he's uh, we had a good old conversation after the panel about just like uh, all types of shit, uh, guys. Nice. I just. I just think um also I was trying to watch Living Las Vegas the other day and I gotta say it was like it made me feel some real ninety seven feelings
0: <laughs> <laughs> every time I watch Rush Hour, same feeling.
1: You know what I mean? I just I just didn't wanna be in a ninety seven frame of mind for that long. Elizabeth Shoe is the stadium and the court and that one she is she and you know and this is all just a metaphor for supporting somebody who's there to support your performance like, like she goes there with him with these operatic heights or when she's not supposed to be doing that she doesn't you know it's it's a really wonderfully uh directed movie and uh again i think the guy who wrote the screenplay actually died of uh i think he died I think he was going through a lot of that stuff. So I think that that's that's... why it's so well observed.
2: Ooh, it's, it's, I have never seen alcoholism displayed in such an extreme way. Uh, Mm. And that's another reason why I think he won that Oscar is because he could have played that so
1: poorly and so over the top it could have and, been like dudley moore or whatever you know not to oh say God. that those performances are no, bad but it wouldn't be know, right for thing. this yeah no
2: and that's it's like serious i i've that's why i don't really like it because it's too serious for me <laughs> um but that's not to say it's not good and he's not good in it it's just not my taste uh but like the fact that like his whole hotel room is a bar basically he's literally just trying to drink himself to death it's really mm-hmm. bleak
0: yeah i gotta tell you i'm looking at the um the rank of box office and there's a couple of weird ones real high up there that I just want to bring up just because Oh, interesting. I think it's fascinating.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um I mean obviously it's National Treasure the Rock Face Off Gone in 60 seconds but but Ghost Ghost Rider number 6. Okay. The Sorcerer's Apprentice.
2: Oh, I paid to the theaters. I haven't seen it since, but I yeah. did <laughs> number 8. <laughs>
0: And then knowing
2: that uh, I haven't seen a movie I've
0: never seen.
2: Yeah. MIT
0: professor John. Yeah. I I don't know. No, no, Read
2: the description. (laughs) Please.
0: Yeah. MIT professor John Kessler links a mysterious list of numbers from a time capsule to past and future disasters and sets out to prevent the ultimate catastrophe. It sounds really really, similar to
2: next. It sounds
0: super interesting. $188 million. It made. (laughs)
1: Oh, but see, that's what i'm saying though that's when you're still part of the machine where it's like you when you're 2009 down, yeah but again though 2009 is not at the nadir we're at 2022 was, this isn't tax time 2009 yeah. isn't tax yeah. time you know what and i mean then, this isn't primal or that one where he's fucking around in the where the uh, in the chucky e. cheese for half the movie or whatever i just so watched that for
2: the first time willie's wonderland uh-huh oh. is er- that
1: worth it or no <laughs>
2: I was bummed. Like, there's some funness to it. It's like he beats up some animatronics, and that's funny. But there's a lot more to it that's boring and poorly acted. And he literally does not say a single word in the whole movie.
1: Whoa, what?
2: Not he doesn't speak. And it's like I don't, I don't want this. I don't want. Yeah, that's not terrible. Not cage. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I wanted, I wanted it to be more fun. Bad. It. It's not. It's. I mean, if you're trying to get through his filmography, it's not like pulling teeth. It's just. But I do recommend from this era right before Mandy, uh, Mom and Dad with him and Selma Blair. That I, movie I showed. saw
1: that. I, I was on Hulu, I, right? I never yeah. saw that. It's
2: What's good. that about? I, it's um something happens. I don't remember the inciting incident, but like every, it, all parents in the world now want to kill their children. So Whoa. it's basically Selma Blair and Nick Cage trying to kill their kids.
0: That's amazing.
2: Yeah, that's it's really amazing. Good. It's good. Uh and another recent, pretty decent one was Color Out of Space. I didn't love it, but it's weird. Uh, and it has some cool shit in it for sure.
1: Yeah, Color Out of Space, I think, is made by the same like company that made Mandy, I think. They're they're almost like a they're almost like crowdfunded almost. I forgot what their name was. Is, well, is it Legion M? Uh, I think it's them, yes.
2: they made Mandy. I, I, I don't know if you noticed at WonderCon they had a booth that was basically all Mandy themed, which is funny because mm-hmm. the movie's four years old. So clearly mm-hmm. that's like very much them. But that's where I got my cage doll. Um, yeah. I wanted to buy everything. They had so many, but it's like $18 for a pin. I got to draw the line somewhere.
1: <laughs> well, I still got uh, my original Mandy poster that I got that night that, oh, that I, I went to the Egyptian to see it in the movie theater. And Penos uh, Cosmatos was there. And he didn't say anything. He was like, this is my movie. It is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he Make was more. out. Yeah, more. Make I, more movies. I, yeah, dude. I, I am I, I'm a big Mandy fan because I just feel like a lot of these movies that have all this revenge and shit, number one, they spare you from the ugliness of the hero failing whoever they're revenging. They spare you from it almost every movie. It's always out of their hand. They're knocked out. He had to watch bad stuff happen to somebody he loves. And he was filled with that, and I felt like as a performance, it's like Panos Cosmatos is 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 a great director. You would never accuse him of scintillating dialogue or any of the crutches that that normal actors you know have to use to get over. He's just behaving a lot in that. Like he, after after he gets out of his after he he after the bad stuff happens, he goes in and he drinks like a whole bottle of vodka in the bathroom. That's the scene. But when Nick Cage does it. It's a totally different thing that you would than you would think. You know what I mean? It's just fantastic.
2: And I, it comes I really right after the movie. cheddar goblins. So. Oh god. <laughs> I have a cheddar goblin shirt now. I wish I would have worn it for the podcast. <laughs> uh, if uh, uh if you haven't seen Mandy people listening, please go see it. Watch
1: yeah, and, and again, and just don't and and, again, and you know what I would also recommend if you're gonna watch a lot of Nick Cage movies, uh, especially Pig and Mandy. Don't watch it with your fucking phone near or uh, the lights no. coming through your blinds and fucking up about TV. That's your any movie. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna start just, telling everybody true. that.
0: It, it's let's, true, let's but let's I'm just saying
1: it. I'm just saying most people just will not abide by that for most things. And I'm just saying and, and I'm saying a lot of movies, frankly, these days, could survive you checking your phone every now and again. But that's Mandy true. and them don't. It you have to be trapped with it. It's, it, you know what I mean? You have to be trapped with it to get the 100%. full effect of this tone poem stuff it's doing. If you're letting yourself get yanked out of it every few seconds, like, you know, I, I, I could watch a lot of Marvel movies looking at my phone, especially well, after I've seen it once. We've seen them so many like, times. Yeah. But, know. but I, but I, I don't I, like Eternals. I well. well, Eternals felt like I was checking my phone at certain parts. Oh, um, wow.
2: I still haven't rewatched Spider Man uh, since I bought it because I'm like, I want to be so tuned in oh, and also mm-hmm. i yeah. so sad again so but it's yeah. like but yeah i i get mad when i show somebody a movie and they're on their phone that's uh yeah. that's a great thing about tony tony and i are we are on the same page when it comes to we're watching a movie and we're invested in this movie we're watching
1: yeah well can, can you tell tony to tell my girlfriend some tips
2: <laughs> about yeah. geez, Louise,
1: you would, would you would mean? think she yeah. was solving world hunger with <laughs> microtransactions on her fucking phone you would think that was the case
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Jesus my, my Christ! My girlfriend has that habit a little bit too, but only at home. You know, like oh, don't go oh if it move. was
2: in the theater, you break up.
1: Oh, dude, yeah. that's, a break, yeah, that's, that's a That's a breakup true. of a
0: theater. <laughs> that's
2: a deal breaker. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's like okay. You you have bad. You have a bad decision maker in your brain. That's <laughs> what it is.
2: You're rude, is what you yeah. are.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, at home, like,
2: it's of course.
0: Yeah, I got it A little obsession with a video game that I've recently quit playing, and it was a problem. It was getting in the way of me enjoying. A lot of great tv shows and movies that we would watch and it'd be like it'd be like why am i doing this i just missed the plot of something that i really enjoy and i think i think uh a a lot of Nicolas cage movies while the plot isn't necessarily always the best or whatever depending on what we're talking about but like you'll miss some cool thing if you if you fucking blink he's his face is like a. it's i'm gonna make this weird argument I think it's as good as Jim Carrey's face.
2: Interesting. I, think
0: I mm. cause Jim Carrey is famous for having such a uh, super expressive, funny face. And I think a lot of this work that, that Nicolas Cage does with his face is hilarious and subtle, but also he can go over the top with it too. Just my
2: opinion. Interesting. I, I, really I don't know think if he's I great make at it. That comparison, but I respect it. Well, yeah. like best face
1: of motion pictures. Him being in Face Off now, it starts to make a lot more <laughs> sense. Uh, that- but no, I, I think I know what you're saying in regards to like. There's always something. I think it's um to me it would be eyes and like yeah. like the, the 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 domino mask area of Nick Cage is always working on something. He's he's got some life in his eyes because he's thinking and he's 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 um you know responding in the moment to whoever he's acting against. That's one thing I really love about Nick Cage is like he's always acting hard. He's driving hard. He's acting hard. He, he, he's he's doing a good job because I think at first I didn't like what he was doing in The Rock. When I was a kid, I didn't like it. When I was a kid, I didn't like The Rock because I didn't like him. I thought he was being too goofy. And every year that I've aged since, I like it more and more because why would you uh, uh take away all those tools he has? To make him just another taciturn action asshole. He wasn't like old enough to play these quiet pig Mandy characters yet. He still had this youthful verve and he still had to use his words and use his face and stuff. So like I love I love The Rock as a performance of his. I got to say I really do. I I think there's very few times in movies where I actually feel like the characters are scared. Cage, Cage can do he can get across that he's scared or that he's in love or whatever i i believe him even though i can stand outside myself and watch him do what he does and go that's nick cage i can still also jump back i can go back and forth like the astral forms coming in and out of doctor strange character or something
2: (laughs) i like that assessment that's cool i've never thought about it the scared thing i like that
1: well he's good what what do you think is what's so enduring about face-off because honestly man if you just look on it on its merits it is such a product of his time. It is so yeah. weird, but it stood the test of time. Why do you think that is?
2: Two words. John Woo. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, I, John Woo is such a great director, and I I just – there's so much – Just there's just no – Nothing needs to be trimmed. It's just such a tight. Every second of that movie is entertaining, and it's so weird and goofy. I, I um I make up a lot of movie drinking games, and one of and I have one for Face Off. And one of the rules is drink whenever science doesn't make sense. Because who cares?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole thing. That's yeah, the whole uh, thing. Uh, yeah,
2: you get. You, the point is to get drunk. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, and it's just, but also a thing about the movie was a, was written to be set in the future, but they didn't have the budget for that. So then they mm-hmm. were like, well, who cares? This reality can have this techno, like the, like it's little things, like the face off procedure, the prison with like the boots and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they have these cool futuristic elements, but it, it flows so beautifully, even though it is 1997. Um, and then you've also got, it's the performances, and it's not just John and Nick. Joan Allen is great, great. in the film. I, yeah. oh, I love Joan Allen. And she's such a good choice. They uh, they wanted someone younger. They, they wanted uh, it to be a stepmother. Um, so that, Ooh. so that they can have like a hot wife. And yeah. they fought hard because Joan Allen was who John Woo wanted from the beginning. And they fought hard for her because it was like, no, it's more impactful if it's the actual mother and if this is like the real family dynamic. And, and it works, it just works so well. And the action's so good. Everything happens. You think the movie's over and yeah, then there's I, a boat chase. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I, I, I definitely agree with you that Joan Allen is, uh, like she is, she's making that happen because just drop denise richards into that role Ugh. and the fucking thing falls apart the whole thing falls apart why do i care about you getting back with your step your your daughter age stepmom wife person yeah why don't do care i care all. that you've repaired that why do i care that you're doing the hand face thing with her
2: that's why, another why part the- rule for the record <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> also doesn't uh don't they like the other dudes, this was my, my ex-wife Uh, had a real problem with this movie mostly because she was like, she was like, look, if some dude fucks me with some other dude if like I get fucked and it's not your dick, I know it's not your dick.
2: Interesting point. Um, but She's I think like, it's been she, so long since they've, since they've had sex. Um, uh, that Maybe she forgot know, that dick yeah maybe um or just maybe john travolta and Nicolas cage have really similar dicks because I, I believe that's <laughs> well i mean and
1: i, I bring this up to that. people I all that. the time <laughs> I, I bring this up to smarty pants all the time the wiener <laughs> thing it's a little out of bounds i'm not even gonna try to make mistakes for that but but like in the movie they do show that like at the time travolta was you know packing a little more ed greeridge around the middle uh than than uh the nick cage was so they were saying that, like, well, what you, how did he get the, the body types? They show very clearly that they're going to do fat redistribution and shit on the body to make it be cool. So they could have just girthened him up or de them, him oh, or yeah, something. that's a good point. You know what I mean? In that same procedure. But they chose to be gentlemen and not tell you and not, not, talk, about you, <laughs> and not <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> um, But, okay, I, I think this is the part where we can do – uh A lot of times in our, in our, in previous iterations of our podcast, we do battle, we've done battle royale for fictional characters. I would love to do a three person battle royale with Nick Cage characters. Uh, and you could choose them or we can all choose one or whatever. And obviously, you know, the guy from (laughs) leaving Las Vegas would get fucked up by the (laughs) dude from
2: The Rock. (laughs) Is this all characters? Is this everything? Are we narrowing it down?
0: Um, I I, I have an idea. Why, why don't we take it from his top three grossing movies and do uh, National Treasure, Benjamin Gates, um, uh, The Rock, and Face Off.
2: So, all right, Benjamin Gates, Stanley Goodspeed, and Castor Troy.
0: Yeah.
1: I think okay. Gates gets murdered almost instantly. <laughs> because he Castor it's Troy probably is hardcore. True. The camera pose is pretty hardcore. But, of course, he is a hero. He's a heroic character, so you know, unless it takes place in a museum or something,
0: then I feel like he has. A <laughs>
2: yeah, unless they're battling Actually, in like a trivia pursuit game.
0: <laughs> uh, you know what? To make it better, to make it better, we should replace one of them with Cameron Poe.
2: That makes sense. The t- the core three action movies. Uh, so yeah. uh, I feel like kick out Ben Gates. Yeah, and then it's Stanley Goodspeed, Cameron Poe, and Caster Troy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so how does that go down? Let's pick a spot for her to uh, make the fight, Ed. What do, you, what do you say? Where's the fight?
1: I don't know. It can't be on Alcatraz.
2: But <laughs> Stanley's got the upper hand. But he's probably the weakest physically between the two, yeah. so maybe he needs a little upper hand.
1: Yeah, that, that is true. Uh, Cameron Poe could get PTSD from, it's a middle prison, brother. Hmm. I'm thinking, let's fuck it. They, they have a big fight in Las Vegas. Each of them has probably been there before. It's a neutral ground, and they're not the I like character it. from Leaving Las Vegas, so boom. They're in Vegas, and they're Isn't the Vegas strip. where
2: Con Air ends? Am I wrong? Yes,
1: that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, I'm watching
2: a lot of his movies this month. There are a lot of movies that end up in Vegas of his. Let's you say it's specifically
0: in, in The Flamingo.
2: I've stayed there when I was 16. I've I, I got it. It's visualized. <laughs> yeah, Perfect. <laughs> Uh, if we're in a casino i think stanley has some upper hand there because i think he'll use smarts to like hide and, and i would be rooting for stanley uh but i don't i don't think stanley would win but i'd be rooting for him i think
0: stanley would make some kind of move where like he put cameron uh and uh and 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 caster in this situation where tons of security showed up where he made it look like they were stealing from the casino or something. Using mm. using some yeah, like that's a smart
2: move. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He reports him for counting cards. He's like, Oh, you see, you see that you see that long haired mullet gentleman over there with the with the t shirt on? He's he's counting cards. And then yeah, and Cash and the Cash Troy would have two golden guns on him. Like, that guy's armed, you know, and and they would pat him down to find the golden guns almost instantly.
0: The two of them would take out all of the casino Security force, like quickly,
2: Cameron. Yeah. He he wouldn't go after any right. innocents. Um, yeah, only only Caster is is bloodying up that casino. He yeah. is mm. that there is collateral damage. It is New York and 2012 in the MCU. It is destroyed if, if Caster <laughs> is. Good. But even like, but my instinct originally, I was going to say Caster because the dude is has no morals. He's evil. He shot a kid. In <laughs> killed the kid, yeah. Uh, and the first time you ever see Gastrodroid, he's yes. killing children. <laughs> um, but man, Cameron Poe is scrappy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that he teams up with. I think he teams up with Stanley, and then they they take him out together.
2: Okay. And then I instead
0: like of instead of fighting each other, they go to the buffet.
2: I lo- I think that's beautiful. Uh, I, I like <laughs> the idea of two winners and, uh, and you know as we've learned from adaptation and from massive talent two cages are better than one <laughs> <laughs> Absol-
1: absolutely absolutely um, and and do you have uh any – if you were going to give somebody a primer as we round out here to watch all these Nicolas Cage movies, do you have some sort of vague viewing order or some vague ethos or do you do it chronologically? If you're giving a, a final note to people listening to this who are intrigued by us talking about Nicolas Cage, this is how you get into Cage by Jamie. What would you say?
2: I did it chronologically except – with all the extras, I kind of threw random ones in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked doing it chronologically because you see how he grows and, and it's a good, because he's making similar movies in chunks, it flows really nicely. Once you get to the, the like mid uh, to late 2000s, it's a little rough, uh, for sure. Uh, like watching, you know, you're going to have to watch next and the Wicker Man and, um, and stuff all together, but. Uh, you just plan it right, like uh, we accidentally not—this was not intentional—put Mandy on 420, and that was the most beautiful thing that ever could have happened. <laughs> uh, so you know, it's if you're if you're watching things like Wicker Man or Next, you know, I recommend drinking a little, having some fun. But if you're watching Adaptation or Pig, you should have, you know. A nice, it should be a nice evening where you're ready to feel some emotions and. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think chronological order is a fine, fine way to do it, uh, and I think that, I, I wrote, I wrote an article. You can find it on my Twitter uh, of all the movies referenced in Massive Talent. So if you're only looking to just get references, then do that. Uh, but there are a lot of good movies not on that list, and there are some bad movies on that list. But it, but. I, I did the order of the list is the order in which they're mentioned in the movie. So that's another way to do it. Cool. What's your Twitter again? Uh, Jamie cinematics. Yes. The official my cage month list though, you can find on my letterboxd, which is also Jamie cinematics.
1: Oh, nice. And, uh, and, and if you guys want to help out the podcast, join in our uh, Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod, or leave us a review.
0: And thank you as always for listening to another episode of the greatest Thank oh.